0: Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience Presented by Onyx My name is Eric Strand We're in a Divey Divey Hotel, yeah, somewhere in the middle Seedy of as it gets, Eastern Oregon chasing waterfowl. Um, yeah, you are listening to the Born and Raised audio experience, brought to you by OnX, and today we launched the Flyway. Yeah, so today we're talking waterfowl. So, so what is the Flyway? Well, first
1: off, who do we got here?
0: Go. This is uh, Noah Montgomery, filmer producer for Born and Raised Outdoors and Born and Raised Calco, joined and... by the one and only.
1: Cody Kellum. <laughs> I mean, thanks for the introduction. <laughs> that, was yeah, nice <laughs> intro. yeah. that was a nice Just intro. That was a message, that one up. <laughs> You're uh, born and raised outdoors, born and raised call, call all of the above. We're on a freelance five day bonsai trip near the end of season, and uh, day one is in
0: the books. It's funny you brought that up because this morning at the check station, bumped into our buddy Chris Phillips, and he's like, So, what are you guys planning for the trip? I was <laughs> like, Good stuff. Yeah. yeah, we, we
1: know where we're yeah. at today,
0: exactly. And back, like on the topic of divey hotels, like I'm not like really a Jeremy guy, per se.
1: Noah's <laughs> no, <laughs> workstation. Hey, I'll hey, just, like hey.
0: I want put a photo on social yeah.
1: for you guys, for all you listeners to see. And it's it's somewhat cleaned up, but I I spent a couple of days in his seat editing actually the intro video to the Flyway why was... He was down in Mexico with the rest of the boys catching ditch pickles. Watch it, aka largemouth, and the with the Sinaloa cartel. Um, but <laughs> wow, uh, it it was slightly disgusting at his desk. But now he's comparing that room, just where we're staying for a couple nights, to what a scene out of uh,
0: Breaking Bad. Dude, I don't know. But on the topic of my desk. What I tell Trent and Cody is that that is the price of creativity. <laughs> I mean, price. Creativity and productivity. If I do, they want me on the clock cleaning the office. No, they want me on the clock making consumable content. So that's- Meanwhile, Chase
1: is over there, he has got his little space all spotless clean and. Uh- I There's think, a lion in the desk. No, I
0: just jack Dairy Mart coffees all day long, and there might be a couple there from the months before. But I think one of my favorite parts of this hotel is the fact that they don't allow pets in the room. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, our dogs are way cleaner <laughs> than this room. Yeah. And the last thing is you have to worry about
1: But we've got a kitchenette. I'm, uh, you know, we're going to do some spatchcock duck
0: in the Dude, oven. What? <laughs> What's patchcock duck? <done? laughs> First of all, okay, second so, of all, what?
1: <laughs> I just got back from Arkansas and I was there with uh, good friends and new friends, and Sean Weaver was one of the new friends, and he he loves cooking duck, and he's like, I got this, and he so you you pluck it, gut it, and then you take shears, cut the wings off, and cut the backbone out, and then you fold it in half, so it's skin on, huh. breast up. Like butterflied. butterfly. Butterflied, yeah. essentially. Yep. Season it. The one thing that I did pick up from him is he uses grapeseed oil just a little bit to That's basically hold that. the seasoning on the breast.
0: I've heard that before.
1: And and it has a higher temperature of a flashpoint temperature. So like an olive oil or a, a corn oil or, yeah. you know, another kind of vegetable oil um, would get like that bitter taste. And this doesn't get that on the skin. Huh. but you do it for at 450 degrees for 13 minutes and then you crank it to broil until it's crispy on the and outside the skin's on
0: right skins Is on it scored yep
1: uh he didn't score, he didn't
0: score but yeah that skin that
1: makes yeah the, the right you know and it's yep. corn fed mallard yeah. you know type deal or you know we shot these these were arkansas ducks and we did wood duck and oh, that'd be good yeah i haven't had wood duck since a kid and it was great anyways it definitely um, after today, I want to take these mallards. We're and, definitely doing make, some
0: uh, catch, catch, queen cook some ca- catchpox, batch cocks. We're doing it all. Yeah,
1: yeah. Medi- but you gotta do like the thing that I've learned more and more on uh, waterfowl is medium rare to uh, you know, rare yeah, for it. sure. Yeah,
0: I think we should let this kind of carry us into a topic. Uh, we're gonna do some viewer submitted questions tonight. Uh, But this kind of brings one to mind for me, and it's one of the things that waterfowlers don't really like to talk about, but it's kind of a thing, is eating waterfowl and favorite recipes, and I think a lot of times it gets a kind of a wrap as meat that's just a lot of times turned into sausage or or burger, pepper, any sticks, you know what I mean? And so what's what's some of your guys' besides spatchcock? uh favorite ways to to cook waterfowl and enjoy it well i'll i'll, I'll take the low-hanging fruit poppers poppers I mean, duck yeah poppers are, yeah Paltino, One of my favorites. bacon wrap cheese yeah yep. uh, cream cheese can't yep. go wrong there i would say teal or a smaller duck is probably my favorite yeah just for whatever reason the size really yeah okay yeah. i like a fat mallard fat mallard yeah skin um, on
1: i did it we actually Strand and I two years ago the last week of season we went on a diver hunt yep. together and had a little BRBO and I brought up some uh, I breasted the mallard but I plucked plucked it so mm-hmm. the skin was on mm-hmm. and I seared that in a pan um, with some like truffle sauce and then um, I did uh, what I call them? it gnocchi, yeah, gnocchi but yeah it's gnocchi yeah uh, which is a p- potato pasta huh. and then like some mushrooms. And that was pretty...
0: I couldn't believe how good the skin was. That was yeah. one of my first times eating the skin yeah. that way. So good. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just like, you know, getting it crispy enough, but not overcooking. Mm-hmm. Um, that was delicious. Like, um, I know... I haven't done it yet, but like yakisoba, like a stir fry.
0: It's good, man. I've heard it's really good. The duck fajitas are another favorite. And these are definitely like the, the quicker recipes. Right. Um, another one that we used to do actually in college a lot, because... <laughs> Didn't have a lot, so we would cut up all our duck breast, soak it in uh, like salt water to kill the blood out, and yeah. then we would toss it in a crock pot with apple cider—no, vi- not apple cider vinegar, apple cider—the kind of sweetness that okay. sugar would break it down on a just real low for like eight ten hours. Huh. to Take all the stuff that cooks off of it, clean it all off, and then shred it like pulled pork. Awesome, really, really good. I oh, think, and then add barbecue sauce.
1: Yeah, I think that's one thing that goes into. The, that I've learned over the last couple of years like Meat care on waterfowl is critical yeah. I, think, I think a lot of people are like Shoot them uh, I'll clean them later um, You get it You know you got a duck that shot up It's a lot of blood shot in it um, I'll just put it all in grind Or whatever else um, If you take care of it soak it Like especially I do this on honkers Especially you know it's such a big Prime cut yeah. of meat um, Soaking it Trimming out any of that uh, bloodshot. Get you know, it's like if I had an elk that had bloodshot, I wouldn't eat that portion of it. You know, getting it, for sure getting, getting it good and taken care of, and then you've got basically a primo piece of meat.
0: Do you oh. do a, a saltwater bath? I do saltwater, yeah, water, yeah. and
1: and I usually do it for at least twenty four hours, if not forty
0: eight. If, if I like. can, I try to get to where after I'm done all all the rinsing cycle, it just rinses clear. Exactly, nothing even comes out. Yep. The last thing I did was usually do a saltwater brine, uh, but I saw somewhere that if you add brown sugar to that in that brine for a day or two, and so what I did was boiled water, then added brown sugar and uh, kosher salt to it to where it dissolved. Yeah. And then that brine was pretty pretty ridiculous.
1: Um, yeah, my buddy Cole that I met this year, he brought pastrami mm-hmm. that he made. Yeah. Phenomenal. Good. Like goose pastrami was great. Um, and then... Matt brought the stuff in the blind that was... He took a whole breast and smoked it and then cut it up. And it wasn't, like, jerky. It was just, like, smoked goose breast.
0: A little softer? Yeah, it was great. Huh. But the consensus is waterfowl, if taken care of properly, can be really good. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's just it. It, Like, maybe out of the box, I'd say it's not as forgiving of, like, a wild game to cook. But if you do the prep, it, it... can be pretty awesome which is our responsibility to do as, as people and who as like a to kid enjoy the, the only
1: recipe that i knew was uh my mentor in waterfowl or that i used to hunt was a, a dr black fred black and he said make duck mcnuggets and it's literally oh, yeah. cubing them egg yep. the batter on it and just in a pan and he, he he would go to McDonald's and get a bunch of, like, the sweet and sour sauce. And, like, literally, like, you're eating chicken nuggets. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and that was a good, yeah. good
0: deal. So. Yep. Perfect. Uh, let's roll into some some viewer-submitted questions. We posted a uh, uh, deal on our socials tonight. If you're not on our socials, Born and Raised Outdoors, and then Born and Raised Calco. Well, while we're talking about
1: socials. We talked just real briefly about launching a new channel Correct. today. Like, yes. today was... The first video, of the flyaway. We've yeah. been talking about this for a couple years. We've shown you guys waterfowl content if you've seen our Born and Raised Outdoors channel. Um, and now we finally took the leap, started from scratch, and we're doing waterfowl exclusively on the flyaway channel. Um, pretty excited about it, honestly. Focus. Focus Focused Focused. Yeah. It's not just a uh, montage, shoot them up, hey, it was fun. Um, Trying to bring more, you know, still that mantra of entertain, educate, inspire, but really focus on where we're going, the adventures that had the history behind it. And, you know, when we talked about this, like there's a lot of duck hunters or killers out there. But the art of waterfowling and, you know, maybe touch on that straight Yeah, I know. Being a woodsman, yeah. Exactly. We
0: really want to kind of dive into what it means to be a true waterfowler. And that means everything from dog training to building, repairing decoys, all the off-season prep. Um, We're going to kind of touch on everything. Working on boats, working on blinds, you know, working with landowners. uh, All the little little things along the way that make you a successful waterfowler. And then also kind of that allow you to grow into the, the waterfowler that you want to be.
1: And it's not about how fast we can shoot a five-man, seven-man no. limit.
0: You know, I today, mean, yeah, and that's yeah. Awesome. just it. Like it's, it seems. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of one of those like touchy subjects, but we just want to show all sides of it and not just shooting as many birds with as many people as we can as quick as we can. And, and we do enjoy doing that. And the first video on our channel was kind of just that. You know, it yeah. Was, we had 13 guns and we wanted to get a big group together and uh, have some fun with it but that's not what everyone is and today we just kind of had you know what people like to call like a gentleman gentleman style hunt where it was taking turns uh strand you got to take your dad and then we just got to call out names and back each other up and um yeah, so our, that was definitely group. going back to our roots there public land yeah just kind of grinding it out but enjoying every minute of it yeah so. and our our goal too is each place we visit to kind of to do the best we can to accurately represent the culture and the history of the place without also blowing that out if, <laughs> yeah. if that's your your home place but also to where if that is kind of where you grew up hunting we feel like we want to do it justice for you too if, if you're if you're that viewer watching it so well, and the other thing we discussed that I, it's super important to me is the people you know that we meet along the way and kind of their stories and because everyone has a different different story as far as what who got them into waterfowling where waterfowling has taken them um and there's some characters out there i mean there are some absolute characters
1: not only that i think and noah and i talked about this on the drive up like the thing about waterfowling waterfowlers is there's like a community hub it doesn't matter if you live on the west side of the state east side of the state mississippi like some, like talking about trading hunts, you know, like we're going with a guy tomorrow. Tony, we've never met, has a massive snow geese feed, wants to take us. And, you know, I mean, it's just, he
0: doesn't know us from Adam. We started talking kind of before the season, just briefly, just talking waterfowl and calls and whatnot. And, and uh, started seeing, I mean, man, this guy gets after it pretty good and started talking and he goes, yeah, you know, if it's ever looking really good, maybe you guys come over. And so I <laughs> shot him a message. I'm like, Hey, we're going to be coming over what do you think? And he's like, yeah, I think I got a couple of good feeds looking, you know, set up. So it'd be fun. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, but I think that's the coolest, you know, it's a little bit more challenging when you talk about big game and sharing or taking people yeah. hunting and all that. Like it's, I, I think the one thing for me, especially if you're new to hunting, the sport of waterfowl is pretty incredible because, um, it's not like you're pressured into one opportunity that you have to seize like you you have 107 days in Mm -hmm. oregon um in in this case you know you can hunt a lot you can hunt all over the state there's just a lot of great opportunity to go explore and learn and challenge yourself in new settings totally different conditions
0: if you wanted to you can a waterfall hunt from september through april may right i mean the seasons now are just so long yeah and with that you get room to do like we said trade hunts with people go try new things try hunting with new people there's there's so many days in the season that these hunts don't always within themselves carry as much weight as a big game hunt which is awesome because it gives you so many opportunities not not only like within the season but within the day you know how many ducks did we get to call at just today and try new things at each one so i mean within Within each day, even there's so much. We for the several times for more decoys. <laughs> yeah, we're like yep. big game stuff. We love it, and part of why we love it is because the weight that each situation carries, you know. But at times too, you know, it can be hard to try new things, and it's like, man, I might not see another elk within within this distance this year, you know. So, well, and as far as like bears entry, you know, water yeah. Filling, if, if, if a guy wants to go and jump shoot, all you're looking for is a license and a shotgun. Right. I mean, it's, it's fairly easy to get into. Yeah. So, well, I guess we'll roll into a couple of these questions. Um, so what, yeah. Check what, out the flyway. Yes. We're going to so be doing of Check out of it. the flyway on YouTube. Um, we don't have necessarily a strict schedule yet uh, on the channel as far as dates Uh, per week or month that we're going to be launching videos and one of the reasons for that is we just want to make sure each time that uh, we're bringing you the the best quality product that we can and that it's a cool individual uh, video each each and every time that you guys get to enjoy Uh, so one question that popped up a bunch was just uh, calling scenarios and for ducks in particular so when to call how to how to read birds when to know not to call and so uh i'll just take it one step further i guess situationally um if you were to start it from your beginning sequence of when you first see those ducks to optimally when they finish when are you putting the pressure on when are you putting on the brakes and how does that go and i'll direct this at at uh strand first off yeah no i'm happy to answer that one we could have a whole podcast just about that but yeah you know first and foremost if you're calling a ducks the first thing you're looking for is a reaction so yeah. i always tell people if you can't see them i'm not calling at them because i need to see what that bird is going to respond to and react to and i'm literally taking the temperature of that bird or that flock each and every bird, each and every flock. There's going to be things that they react to that they like. There's going to be things that they don't. There's going to be things that they just don't do a thing to. So I'm literally running through a, a sequence of sounds, which now we've all hunted together. Now, if you kind of yeah. know what I run through, yeah. um, sure. I'm running through different cadences. I'm running through different tempos. I'm running through different sounds. Um, and once I find that sound or that cadence or that tempo that that gets the reaction I'm looking for, I'm sticking with it. Yeah. And from then on, it's kind of up to me to either make it work or screw it up. And if if you can also kind of take the temperature of the day, like birds, they want to hear a lot of calling. There might be times like I'm I'm calling all the way until the safety comes off. There's other times where I'm like, okay, I'm calling strictly with purpose. Only on the corners. Every time I make make a sound, that's going to be. I need it to work. I need to make something happen because they don't want to hear a lot of calling. Um, And then also, you know, weather has a lot to do with it. But um, the best thing I could I could best piece of advice I can give as far as. Um, learning to read birds and learning to get a reaction out of ducks is, is to try everything until it, until you see that reaction, don't give up. And you know, there's kind of this age old, like, Oh yeah, you call too much or you're calling too loud. I I, I couldn't say, um, that's far from the truth. I honestly, I mean, from the beginning of the season to end of the season, I'm calling with volume. I think good calling will always work at some point, bad calling might not. Um, but I'm not really big on the, I got to back off of my calling. I mean, I should be able to figure out a way to get them to, to work.
1: I mean, so. I watched a couple ducks today that came from the heavens, and you were hammering still. Like, they're locked up hard. Yep. And it was working, and you didn't
0: let up at all. And at that point, I'm, I'm literally watching their wings. And if their wings are tightening, as I'm calling, yeah. that means that they're getting more excited. They're they're committing. I mean, they're they're coming in. Yeah. They're liking what I'm doing, so I'm just going to keep doing it. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, there's also... also Situations where there's ducks just flat out are not callable. They maybe they've been living on that refuge for three months, and they know what day of the week it is. They, <laughs> they know that Joe is in the blind. They're they're not coming in. So take that into account as well. Right. You kind of threw uh, just to take it one step deeper there. You took uh, you kind of threw a blanket statement over good and bad calling per se. Uh, so in comparison, like would you? So people might take that a certain way. You know, it might be how they think they sound. um, And then we tend to think of it as timing, right? And so someone might not sound the greatest, but their timing might be dialed. And this goes for most callable animals. You know, Mm -hmm. they're they're situationally pretty dialed. So could you just kind of touch on that? So the two things that I I would say um, have to do with like good and bad calling, and this is not to be derogatory to anyone that's learning. I mean, we, we all started somewhere. But your pitch and your cadence those are the two things that dictate in my opinion what is good calling and bad calling you gotta have the proper proper pitch and you have to have the proper cadence if you don't sound like a duck and you're not making sounds like a duck gonna sound like a duck so
1: and i it's interesting is like i always thought duck calling was the easiest and i find that it's almost the hardest for me
0: well it's just there's so many things to take into account right and it's it's such a um it's always changing you know i mean like so if i'm calling a turkey or if i'm calling it a bull they're not moving hundreds of yards in seconds whereas with waterfowl i mean it's literally happening so fast you've got to be able to react and make those adjustments now i can't pull out a diaphragm and put in a different read Yeah, i don't have time to do that i've got to make it all work with whatever call i have in my hand at that time and so i would say as far as like Calling dynamics, you've got to be pretty proficient to make it really work. And all I can tell tell people is off season practice. I spent hours and hours and hours in my pickup. Yeah, the first
1: (laughs) first time I met Eric was was in college. We rolled up to Western Oregon University, and there's this black single cab Toyota (laughs) with this guy just hammering, (laughs) hammering the duck call. Like, who is this guy? I think I was with Brian. Yeah.
0: Oh well, it's strand. No, I just I you know I wanted to get to that point where I was, you know I was I was competing too, but I wanted to get that point where I felt really comfortable on a call and just time, time and reps, and that's what it came down to. Yeah. Yep. But no, that's a really good question. No, I mean um, cause there's a lot of calling out there that may not necess- necessarily be overly appeasing to the ear, but to a duck, it works really well.
1: So just like as far as like what it would be your okay, you've got your uh, greeting mm-hmm. call per se, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, A five to seven note descending, you know. Okay. That's the cadence you're looking for. Okay, and it's not going up and down. It's, it's not going. It's it's stepping stair stepping down the whole way. Okay. And then learning those. Cadences to where you're comfortable enough to where I can go from a, a fast, you know, they call them like a chop, 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 chop pop, 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 into like a drawn out, bang, 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 more of a pleading hand or just a standard greeter, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. and learning those different cadences and those different sounds. Um, you can listen to there's great stuff on YouTube, great stuff on, on audio CDs, and then listening to live birds. That's 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 how you're going to learn those what's, cadences. What's
1: interesting, and I've noticed more and more. Hunt around you is I don't hear just a plain quack very often, no.
0: ever. I don't think myself, I don't think a single quack a gets much of a reaction, and B, I think a content mallard hen is either I do a lot of feed calling, yeah, like, bah, 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 kind of a more of a staccato with little, little quack da, 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 like that, but just a bang, bang, bang i think it has more to do with trying to alarm other ducks and yeah. notify other ducks of what's going on in the area than just bang 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 bang. yeah bang, bang. so from myself i'll use a i'll use a single quack in the fog i'll use a single quack sometimes like honestly like the more often than not when i do blow a single quack i probably shouldn't it's just because i'm i want to blow the call and a duck's coming at me what i should do is just put it down wait for them to get 20 yards and shoot them <laughs> but, yeah but yeah i don't use a single quack very often
1: yeah no yeah. I, I definitely notice that because i've been throwing that in when i'm calling and i'm like
0: no, mm, it's uh, a good point if if you go to a refuge and listen to ducks the two sounds you're gonna hear the most are that staccato staggered feed and you're gonna hear that five to seven nut. yeah yeah um this one missing a lot of shots or kind of when you're in a slump what's uh What's your headspace? What are you doing to get out of it? I uh, Here's one thing I think, and
1: uh, Eric mentioned this to me a couple of years ago. He's like, shoot the same speed ammo. If you're, you know, a lot of people, you know, might just go into the shelf and, and especially nowadays, right? You can buy only what you get. You might shoot a 1450 and the next loads of like a black cloud yeah. 1635, two totally different worlds. I always try to stick to that you know, maintain speed.
0: At speed. So then it, there's
1: consistency there instead of jumping
0: around. You wouldn't expect to go shoot five arrows at 50 yards with each arrow being a different length, different weight, with a different broadhead. Yeah. Right? Right. So why would you step up and then shoot three different shotgun shells? They're all doing different things. They're going to pattern differently. and They're going to different speeds. So that's, that's the big one. The other one I, I tell guys all the time, and especially when I was guiding a lot, I would tell clients that they're struggling, I'm like, slow down. Like it's not a race, and especially if you're in like a group situation. Like today was one of my favorite ways to hunt. You know, calling out singles, hail hey, back, yeah, that type of stuff. You're you're not rushing your shot. I mean, I watched you a couple times. You're you're better at it than most. I mean, you like, came up, shoulder the gun perfectly, pulled through the bird, crunch, done. When you start shooting in a group, that that group mentality of like I got to be the first. When on all, all reality, you should actually sit back. Right. Wait for the first two shots go off. See how the birds react. See how they flare. What they're going to do. And then start picking them off. Right. But we all start racing. I'm, I'll be the first. I am like super guilty of it. I don't know how many times I've been there. I'm like, I had birds at 25 yards still and I'd already fired all three rounds. Right. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. And if I get that, that excitement and start racing. So, so, yeah, slowing down, making sure your head's in the gun. Some big one. Yeah. Guys start pulling their head. So.
1: Yeah. And follow through. I mean. You know that's one it's uh you're like stop and almost like wait to see what happens versus like go through that shot
0: the other one surprises me and i mean i'm not trying to harp on folks but like they grab their shotgun in october and they head out and like god I'm, I'm having a heck of a time killing these birds well you wouldn't try to go shoot a bull with a bow and just go pick up your bow you'd go go shoot a few times right yeah you'd send a few arrows down range Whether that be shooting sporting clays or trap or shooting starlings or something to start, you know, rebuilding that muscle memory. Yeah. I, I honestly, like, I don't know. I can't remember a time where I've ever felt like, man, I'm in, like, a prolonged slump. Definitely had days where it's like, I'm just not shooting up to par today. For example, Cody and I's first hunt of the year, we i i was definitely worse than him but we the first couple birds i pulled up on are like widging at 30 35 yards and and it was a decent crosswind. they were getting out quick but it's still like i think the first three or four birds i pulled up on are just like hovering touching toes (laughs) on the water just three and out three and out like the first three groups yeah and uh i just remember looking at curry like was that for the south opener uh yeah. Yeah, you're talking, yeah 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 and i yeah. was just like and then we you know kind of picked it up from there but uh my thing like when i am generally not shooting well it's like just stop thinking you know it's like when we're once you've shot a shotgun enough when you're at your most natural state i I believe is generally when you're the most relaxed and, and fluid and you know, once you start thinking and trying to count leads on birds and just not not really having a feel for it is Generally, when I struggle,
1: yeah, and I think you're talking about calculating leads. It's like yeah, it's an it's an art. Wing shooting is an art. Oh, yeah,
0: um, it's not a science. And if you're calculating leads, you might just leave them. <laughs> 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 yeah, a little, little too far. Yeah,
1: I think that uh, just real quick, I want to dive in on you know honestly. Today was my first day of resh- refuge hunting mm-hmm. and experiencing that, and watching. From afar, you could see different blind locations, and people definitely took some shots that they sh- shouldn't have. I mean, for, for a couple reasons, right? It's like crippling, number one. I mean, I saw that several times, yep. um, especially in the ice conditions we had today. I mean, even we had a struggle, and we shot them like we waited till they were tight. Yeah. Um, and two is just like burning birds or burning a hole. Burn, you know. It's like so
0: glad you mentioned that because it's it's, it's a huge impact on your birds. Huge, yeah. yeah. Especially like today, we'll mention blind numbers, but there was a blind that was. I mean, that was a spot. I mean, they wanted to be there. We had. Yeah. A, I mean, a lot of ducks fly over top of us, lock up, and drop straight in there, and they'd shoot them before they even were within forty yards. And it's just like take another 15, 20 seconds, let them get in close, and make a clean kill. Yeah. But instead, I mean, I. I can understand they're probably excited. They got ducks coming in left and right, but they're pulling over shooting at forty and I'm like, Man, he could be shooting at twenty. Yeah. So Yeah, like this is one of those things where it's kind of a not a touchy subject, but people have their own perceptions of what's okay and what's not distance wise and what's what's ethical in the waterfowl world and any other hunting hunting world um so like how would you define that i mean just knowing your lethal range knowing uh not necessarily what might work but knowing what consistently works range wise would you say so i've had this debate with a lot of different uh wildlife area managers because yeah. they have that the, the, it comes all the time the discussion of sky busting because it ruined a lot of public hunting and i, I had a this has been fifteen, twenty years ago, but I had a great um analogy or a great, you know, reference basically. If you're shooting three shells and not killing one duck, it's too far or you need to let them get closer. Yeah. So if you're not shooting if you're not shooting thirty three percent, which that's not a great number, but if you're not shooting thirty three percent, maybe rethink how far you're shooting. Yeah and that can be just your effective range too. exactly you know it might not even be just the velocity hey, some days my effective range is 20 yards yeah right <laughs> that's it but at the same rate like if you feel pretty confident at 30 35 and that's where you're able to finish birds or that's the opportunity they're giving you we're not looking down on that either. know you know and that's the the other way is you know uh some people may go to extremes of you know if they're not touching toes at 20 yards and then you didn't really get them the right way i spent a lot of time waterfowl hunting on savi Island wildlife area and there's some really good hunters out there that they can flat out shoot and they're taking shots that i would never take but they're also killing them every time and they can just they can shoot yeah i'm not saying it's necessarily right or wrong but it works for them and i can't i can't pass judgment on that yeah exactly
1: uh, sorry about that just
0: uh I just cl- I know kind of and wondering I'd, why you only got one
1: I'd, well another, uh, <laughs> anyways I had to crack open <laughs> another 10 barrel uh, <laughs> seltzer
0: on this one that was a shameless plug if I it was heard shameless
1: again. shameless but delicious at the same point if you, you can get it online at 10 yeah, so
0: so if you guys haven't heard we released a uh, blood orange seltzer with 10 barrel uh, you can buy them online or at any 10 barrel pub correct correct and they're pretty awesome. We're not scared. to I'm still nursing this one pretty hard. <laughs> to be honest, uh, I'm going to tie these two questions together. One of them, um, just because one of these questions, uh, Noah's smiling. So this, I'm already scared. Yeah. No, no it's, it's a real like it's a. So just I'll just lead it off this way. The first question was um, just touch on late migration this year is what they said and the question directly after it says um, hunting full moon and still weather birds so do you see where i'm going with this though yes. and how, yes. um, the first question is late migration and the second one's about weather and, and moon phases and what i correlate with with mm-hmm. night feeding so to me our bird numbers have been here for a while they've just been feeding at night and not really traveling so would you i mean would you agree yeah i so myself i and this has been a roundtable discussion with the guys that i talk with all season i think one of two this i'm talking pacific flyway specifically oregon or washington oregon california going from north south um i think our birds either came through really early we had a really two really good like back-to-back storms in october I I heard California's loaded. California is loaded. So I think our birds either came through early and just pushed through, got down to California, and they are fat and happy. Or... I'd stay down there. I would, too. Or we did. We saw late late migration. But that being said, if you weren't seeing birds by the third week of December, you're in the wrong spot. (laughs) Because (laughs) by the third week of December, we had a big cold front push through, freeze the whole Skagit Valley, and all the way down. And there were snow geese in areas I've never seen snow geese, which means they moved. So, yeah, yeah, we got a good push in in December. And we have a lot of ducks running right now. I would agree. I just think it hasn't been super. uh, It's one of those things like we didn't have any water in fields for a while. Yep. Um, And then we had an abundance of it Mm -hmm. everywhere. And so birds are scattered. Birds are just feeding up on the banks. Birds are roosting in fields. It's just kind of a whole cluster we had throughout all of northwest oregon there for for a couple weeks and it's just to me it just seemed like a weather thing it seems like even i've told people this all the time because they're like well where are the world birds i go okay take a hundred goldfish and put them in your little goldfish bowl at the house okay take that same hundred goldfish and put it in an olympic-sized pool yeah it's not going to look the same and that's what happened we got yeah. a pile of water yeah and the duck spread out yeah so I, and i recall cody and i and the second or third week of october during our opener we're like astonished by the numbers of birds we were seeing that that yeah. early in the yeah, season for and, sure and and well plumaged birds and everything and so yeah all i can say is when we get a lot of water follow the water because the freshest water is going to be king and that's what they're looking for we touch on why that is with invertebrates and yeah absolutely everything it's, it's so as the water comes up water's on the rise it's just like steelhead well, it's actually opposite, opposite. opposite. Yeah, it. Our, our hunting is better on the rise than the drop. So as the water comes up, A, it's flooding new habitat. That new habitat has all the microinvertebrates, It has all the, the seeds. It has all the different feed that's been sitting there waiting to flood up. And it also provides tons of new cover. And birds love that visual isolation, seclusion. So if that's timber, if that's willows, if that's, you know, flooded grasses, marshes, they're going to spread out and they're going to start finding those new areas. So... I always, I always follow the water. And then water on the drop could be long days. Pack a lunch. Yeah. yeah. And
1: I think, like Noah <laughs> on, talked, the
0: on night feeding. I,
1: I think this is probably a concept that, you know, I mean, for me, on like some of the coast stuff, really, I don't feel is a factor to where then when you only, it's like big ag opportunities for them to feed on corn, grain, like any of those types of things. Case in point tonight, about three o'clock all of a sudden we saw all these birds taken off to feed and right before dark we drove by a field that was black, black. with ducks um, on corn and good chance that those ducks stay all night you mm-hmm. think oh yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah Th-
0: those are the ducks that we're seeing at nine o'clock in the morning coming exactly back. Yep.
1: coming back from feed yep. um, so i think moon phase definitely does contribute to mm-hmm. that factor do you yep. do you think it's more on a full moon than a a new moon
0: absolutely i mean uh, especially on wolf migration and then also on on how long they're gonna night feed and how 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 hard they're gonna night feed i mean there's times i i don't know exactly how it works but the way it's been described to me is you know during like um a real clear clear night full moon it's super bright they can see and they feel very comfortable out there whereas say it was like a really dark stormy foggy night they may not feed as much or maybe they have to feed more because it's been Dark and stormy, I don't know exactly the, the reason. Actually, that'd be something good to find out, but and, for sure. And
1: stale weather oh, contributes yeah. still to weather. that. Like, if they don't have to fly during the day and it's calm. and I mean, like November this year, we were in mid-50s all on Western Oregon, 60 degrees. High gray. High gray, yeah. no wind. And those birds were not moving at all during oh. the daylight. And then right before dark,
0: we were on Savvy, and it was just like... Oh, yeah. A duck cloud, 10,000, coming into this flooded corner. Well, and I'll get the question sometimes, you know, why are these birds night feeding? Like, what what, what gives? And I, I tell people, like, okay, imagine you're going to a restaurant. Every time you go in a restaurant when lights are on, someone in your family gets shot, okay? You're going to probably stop going when the lights are on. All of a sudden, all of, all of a sudden, you're, you're going to go back when the lights are off and right. no one's there. Here's a little bit more family-friendly <laughs> analogy. Why would you go to Trader Joe's, Shopco, and Best Buy, when you can get it all at Costco. You know what I mean? For the same price. Hundred percent agree. But no, I mean it, it, it doesn't take it doesn't take long. All of a sudden they figure it out. Well, when I go in there during the daylight and I get, you get shot at it for out. a month yeah. instead of just a week. Yeah. I personally don't like eating in the dark, so I'd i, I do not get it, but uh, <laughs> but you also like to live. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, so, with that said, what are your hunting tati- tactics during a full moon, stale weather conditions? You got the birds; they're around, but they're just being being a little crusty. What are you better? Your... Better find the eggs. Yeah. Just... Better, it's, uh, I I, I, would, I would spend more time scouting than hunting. Yeah. If it's that stale and it's that rough, which it's been, or let a, if if you are able to let a place build up. You know, if you have a piece of property that you can you can manage, um, don't shoot it every Wednesday and Saturday. You know, let them sit yeah. there for a week. Let them get comfy. So but scouting's key when it comes to that that weather condition. Yeah. Um any collabs next year or this year, uh places and things we'd like to go do, slash see. So since we are kind of during the end of our season here, besides some some spring opportunities, uh, what are I guess I'll just go around the table. What are things we have in mind? Things we've talked about? People maybe to go and hunt with? Uh, what's what's kind of on the table for next year? Well will just, just this evening We're talking about doing like an East Coast trip. One well, well, you know a few of our goals are to travel and meet different people at different flyways. Yeah, and uh, the East Coast to do like a, a sea duck diver type trip. Something we want to do. Plus, there's there's so much waterfowl history back there. We gotta go back and experience it
1: yeah i got a taste of arkansas and the flooded timber last week um i would love to go back on that um and and the collab side of things um we're kind of wide open honestly i mean we want to go hunt with a bunch of different people when we can but also do our own thing at the same point and explore you know new waterways new marshes i think the really cool thing for us is like our knowledge base is very broad i mean we're new into some aspects sea duck stuff mm-hmm. like right scoters. we've both oh. done it a couple of times but not you know it's a it's, lot of fun
0: but we do not have a master <laughs> yeah um
1: uh, but like sharing that learning process with you uh you know we got a mud mud motor this year the first time out i was i've ran a tiller handled boat a long time and this was like a whole different world to me and it's scared to death about getting stuck and you know what we could or couldn't do and um so there's you know a lot of a lot of opportunities that are getting opened up there that we don't even know about yet
0: per se um i know i'm the only one in the group that's been to canada so that depending, on, depending on the border sure. situation how that looks oh canadia yeah i know we all want to go do that yeah so. i want to go this spring so with that said, Cody, I'm going to need to take about seven to ten days off <laughs> yeah. this spring yeah. during Thunder Chicken season to go do some real man stuff. So on, on the side of collabs, I mean, we've definitely discussed doing quite a few in the future, and I think a lot of us to do with, you know, we want to showcase those regions and tell the stories. Yeah. With that said, man, send us a message. We want to see how you guys do it. We want to do our best to, to honor the culture of... Uh, waterfowling in, in your area. We want to go. We want to travel. we we, we talk wear. about
1: this, and I, we just logistically would be a very big challenge, but take the concept of land of the free that we did for elk and hit the road. The problem Hel- is... Like, Heather
0: like, Strand, if you're listening, please just go ahead and...
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I, I... My wife right now, bless her heart, is... Amazing in the fact of how much I'm gone right now and uh trying to add, we've been on the
0: road since August,
1: yeah, yeah, no, it's it's and we've
0: got the the problem, don't even say it, don't even say what we got coming up. Oh, bulls of spring, no, yeah, (laughs) here we go, (laughs)
1: Stealing fishing in between, show season, yeah, uh, kind of all of it. Um, yeah, it's just a challenge, right? Like, we we definitely have to pick and choose what and when and where, and yeah, and even though this is for me a full-time strands you, you work a, a pretty awesome schedule but you're also work a ton you know like i i don't know a guy that puts in more time and effort strand on owns off the like job, 17 businesses i think <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure um uh, and what your wife does to to help you out support you and all that um yeah, we have to be, I think, smart and selective in the, the opportunities that we try to go do. Don't spread ourselves too thin Yeah, because it, it, the burnout factor or anything else like that.
0: But with that said, we really want to, this is kind of, we call ourselves a people's call company, right? And we, we want to do what you guys want to see um, and we have fun with it all. So let us know what you guys want to see and we'll, get it on the books and we'll go and try it and do our best to represent what that looks like mexico brand yeah yeah i'm all in so if everyone could right now please message um spring snows in canada and mexico brand that would be awesome
1: yeah we'll put that on
0: the the (laughs) The to-do list yeah that's that's what i would like to do and just hunt some good old midwest uh Midwest lessers, I I just want to you know what I want to sit in a peanut field and yell at them. I want to go hunt different refuges. Yeah, I mean they're like a public, yeah, public experience, tour, like the man. public in in uh, Kansas and Missouri, and you know, go to walk in or, or boat into the Biomeda, you know, in Arkansas and. Hey, we might only kill a couple, but let's just have a good time learning it. You know, I figure want to. It all out. I want to do a tour of driving into dry fields. <laughs> 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 I, I want to. I want to hunt a dry field in every state across the country and sit in an A-frame. We were loading the trailer this morning, and
1: Strand's like, "It's the first time I pushed a
0: cart all year." It was. I've been enjoying that Polaris a lot. Yeah, <laughs> getting spoiled. And I think about 10 seconds after I said that, one of the tires came off. <laughs> oh, gosh.
1: You missed it when I pushed the cart back to add more decoys today. Yeah. The entire tire and tube fell off the rim. So I rode it on the rim all the way to the trailer. And then What's we, with you
0: in the <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's part of it. I'm just going to add one last question here that I kind of thought of. I thought it would be a good little topic for the end of it. Um, It's just kind of that balance of making adjustments while you're hunting um uh, just thinking about today and reflecting on what we did to kind of get where we were at final numbers wise we made some adjustments and we burned birds to do it and in turn we ended up hunting until like 4 pm Um, but the birds that we ended up shooting I don't think there's a single shot today where we're like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have taken that one. I think if anything, it, there might've been a couple that are opposite. Where were like, man, we probably could have taken that shot. Uh, so I mean, how do you, I know how you feel, but how do you feel on um, making adjustments and taking the time to do it and, and reading the situation to figure out kind of how you can make that no, I as good question. as it can be. Great question. Cause um, there's times that I'm actually, I'm actually pretty hesitant to make changes just because I'm yeah. like, I don't feel like I have a, enough of a, a sample yet to like know if it's working or not yeah but once we do like today we did there's a couple of things we made big yeah. changes we need more brush plain and simple blind looked awesome in the headlamp i was like oh this is sweet <laughs> daylight yeah. came it was like guys let's go cut a couple more loads of grass and we were just had scene, we were in a permanent blind Permanent blind. Yep. yeah permanent blind. and then um another thing was just you know the way the birds were, were reacting to the spread and at first, we thought we we're on a pretty good left-right northwest wind, so we set the decoys hard left, like hard left, and the wind died, and I had all the good shooting on the left side. So, like, okay, we got to slide things to the right they were sucking right. They to were sucking right to the right left Kasha. side. So we made that adjustment, moved the motion ducks over, moved the decoy dancer over, moved a few decoys over. Then all of a sudden, we kind of started getting our, our butts kicked by the blind down the road, and I was like, well. Maybe we should add more decoys. Cody had more decoys. So we went back, got four, four dozen more, came back. All of a sudden, we have twice the size spread. Yeah. Now the, the motion decoys are where we want them. The blind's perfect. And we have 10 dozen decoys out. And all of a sudden, it was happening. Now it's on us. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And too, like, those things aren't always easy adjustments. I mean, battling ice, pushing a cart all the way back out to the pickups to grab four more dozen decoys. Like these sometimes you have these little things that are pretty easy like brushing a blind that was, that was pretty easy it took yeah. us what 10 minutes yeah. but yeah like just not being scared to make bigger adjustments that you might burn 45 minutes of your hunt well, I, and today was a great example too none of us had hunted that blind like hunting, right. hunting pull ground it's not like i mean there's a couple of permanent blinds i have where i can tell you literally exactly how to the decoys how the birds are going to react what they're going to do in a different wind we're up to a spot in the dark we don't know what the surroundings look like at all. Yeah, How the birds work, where they come from, the primary flight path. So we're making all those adjustments on the fly. Yeah.
1: And I think when it comes back to kind of check your ego at the door. You 100%. know, it's like, ah, oh, shot ducks in these conditions or whatever
0: else. And yeah. Then, Any background knowledge you have. Yeah. Like, you're going to yeah. have, like,
1: oh, yeah, we get the right birds, they'll do it. You know, instead of, like, man, what, you know, we kind of, like, talk through scenarios like should we shouldn't we yeah let's do it mm-hmm. i mean because obviously this is not working and we could sit here another hour and be frustrated make an adjustment see how it does evaluate again like basically go through those checks and like yep this is working yep. let's just do more of that um and two you know um motion and the spread the one thing i definitely picked up and i, I over time, hunting over your, your decoy dancer, like those ducks, when they come in to finish, they finish on the spinner. Yep. Like
0: nine times out of ten. On They're, the days that they want it to hold. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so. And today it was either slightly left of the spinner or slightly right. Right. I mean, they were within 10 feet of it.
1: Yep, exactly. Yeah. So then realizing, like with the wind, those adjustments, moving that from the hard left that it was. To center us up, like all of a sudden we had good opportunities of shooting.
0: We should probably touch on just because not everyone hunts in a state where you can't use electric. But okay, yeah. we're hunting in Oregon, and the states of Oregon and Washington specifically, you cannot use anything mechanical. Like as far as electric, oh, no, Sorry, you can't use anything electric. You can use mechanical. Correct. But I don't know what electric. So we use a pole string spinner. Spinner. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so. I think our spinners work a lot longer throughout the season than in states where they use electric because everyone Everyone's has got five, a... six, seven, eight of them out there. Whereas we have to manually pull the string to Which you in. pretty much didn't tool. stop today. I don't. No, like... That okay, was so well, my, my thought process is, like it's, it's like fishing, okay? If my gear is not in the water, I'm not fishing. So if I'm not pulling that thing, there could be ducks behind me that I can't see. I'm not actively... Hunting. yeah it's just it's kind of like trolling right yeah. and so it's like you think about all the ducks you're gonna encounter during the day chances are especially after we re our blind and if your blind is probably brush how it should be they're probably going to be able to see you before you see them and so uh before you're calling at them before you're you're pulling that what what are they are you giving them something to even key in on from a distance and, yeah. and start to come in and then another thing that i noticed um that strand does especially well is in oregon and washington motion in your decoy spread means motion in your blight and just like calling when you're not calling as probably generally not when birds are right over you or coming straight down the gun barrel uh, we're also unless they're like really keyed in on the motion not pulling those pull strings and will you just kind of touch on that and i i like to use them just like a duck call you know yeah. wing tips and tail feathers um i like to pull on it when they're not necessarily looking directly at it when they're working with spread yeah. if they're a long ways off i'm using it to to draw them towards us yeah but once they start working it i want them to basically when they're turning they just see that flash and it just piques their interest yeah and you, again you watch your wings see the reaction
1: yeah yep. and then i think one thing is to like it's good to reevaluate at the end of the day what worked, why do you think it worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't, I should journal hunting. Like, I, I would actually really enjoy the process going back and reading some of these things, but I think it's one, especially if you're new to the sport, grab a journal, you know, record weather conditions, what R- your decoy spreads. Yes. Huge. Yeah water levels for sure yeah um you know what the weather's doing and how birds reacted and then if you if they weren't and you made an adjustment like some people are better just storing that in their head and be like okay i need to do this but just reflecting and i think that kind of goes in life about everything right you know i mean
0: that's almost i mean in every type of hunt whether it be a big game hunt or waterfowl hunt you're putting a pattern together and that's what we're doing. Yeah, and we're trying to put that pattern together each and every day. And that's, yeah. that helps. Yeah. yeah. And okay. when you're new, it can be pretty discouraging. I mean, you may be seeing things on social media or, uh, from your buddies or mentors and you're like, man, my hunt looked nothing like that. Uh, count the little wins. If you're just learning to call, you're just learning to do all of it on your own. You're just getting into buying your own gear. You may have called in one duck that day and all you're thinking about is how you've only actually called in one duck that day, but count that as a win. What did you do in that one scenario that actually worked, and how can you how can you turn that into more? Also realize that 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 picture on Instagram that you're comparing your hunt to yeah, they might have just gotten jump shot ten of them, yeah, and you never know. Or it was the ugliest limit you've ever seen in your life. Or it's a field, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> or it's a private field that's been yeah loading up for a month. Yep. You know, which is is still awesome, but. When you're first getting into it, chances are you're you're hunting a public refuge. Yeah. When you're first getting into the sport, that's just generally what, hunt, how hunt you starting for, hunt for out. your own reasons, for sure. Yeah. yeah,
1: I can't remember the quote, and I, I can't even go down to like butcher it. But I think it was like on K- one of Casey Neistat's vlogs, and it was like comparing yourself to others is like the robbery of your own success, mm-hmm. essentially, in in a rough manner of yeah. it, and. Like, who cares what everyone else is doing? Yeah. Like, go out, have fun, enjoy the experience, and don't worry about what Tom, Dick, and Harry are out there doing. And like you said, maybe illegally or whatever else. Like, you, like you never pe- know. People have an image yeah. of what they want to portray, however, and don't worry about what that I is. I think that was one of the comparison. things
0: about today that I enjoyed so much is we didn't have a schedule. <laughs> like. I didn't have to be home by a certain time or be done so I can go scout for you know. I could just, we could just hunt. Yeah, we just hunt. I I will say that I I will
1: write this down right now. This is going to be the funnest five days of season. Oh yeah. This trip. For sure. And we're only on day one. Living high life because we (laughs) shot them good and had a blast. We may get our butts handed to us in a gigantic snow feed tomorrow but hey it's part of us. They're
0: snow geese that's what they do yeah yeah <laughs> so i lied i'm gonna we're gonna hang it up on a couple more quick questions that should just be uh i like this no one's got them tonight he's, yeah. he's got them rolling yeah that's you know it's kind of what you can expect from me will i shoot a just band can... tomorrow no no, no won't. <laughs> <laughs> hey
1: why are we talking about bands
0: <laughs> yes this and, okay, you, yeah. and your, your lack question. of duck bands, yeah, exactly. Whoa. I mean, uh, lack, shots fired. Got shot fired. I mean, so <laughs> I'll give you a quick My name rundown. My Cody, and I've never shot a duck band. Hi, Cody. <laughs> exactly. My name is Cody, and I'm out of the Oregon coast where duck bands don't exist. Exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like I last year was the first time I'd seen a banded duck in the area that I grew up hunting. And Actually, you've seen a lot. And we of, killed three. Oh, am say was,
0: they got a lot of. Yeah, a lot of bands out there too. Three, and you uh, didn't get one. Three. No, yeah. And but you this isn't, like, at, for lack of... Like, Cody's seen a lot of dead ducks in his life. Uh, it's just in the area that he's in, you're, you're not really seeing a lot not of banded birds. Not in the
1: banding project zones where there's certain sectors of the state in our flyway that I know of that are hotbeds. But there also
0: are just hubs in certain areas of the state from colonies and... In Canada and Alaska, where oh, right. you're just ha- you have a way better chance to kill, yeah. we, to have, kill we have a much better chance, better chance in this this area right now, just from where these birds are banned in Alberta. There, there's a lot of banding going on.
1: Right. Have, yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I'm not discouraged by the fact, and when I do finally kill a banded duck, I'm going to be level ten jacked. Yeah. I mean, I I did band check every single duck that oh, came yeah. in that I shot today, pretty hard, yeah, just man. like. Hey, you know where the probabilities may be a little bit higher over here, um but there's definitely some areas that those guys have lanyards that are just
0: yeah, and exactly. It just goes back into the comparing thing. You see somebody with two lanyards full of bands that that's half your age or whatever. It's like, man, you don't. This guy may live in Fallon, where he just, you know, they just chuck wood duck bands out the window. Uh, so it's it's not all the same, but just what? Whatever, yeah, whatever's a trophy for you. And you know, while we're on the topic of bands, like we're not talking about bands as far as like a competitive thing for us. It's like it's fun. Yeah, we like, yeah. We like to we like to give each other a hard time, and we love seeing them. I mean, it's we're not we're not out there, yeah. you know. Fighting over them by any means.
1: No, it's it's yeah, it's a special moment. It's like yeah, I killed this duck band here, and we were on this trip together, and yeah, for me, I I can't say that. And I only have one honker (laughs) band on my lanyard, which I killed on a solo hunt was awesome. But my lanyard got stolen in college, so I I had a few honker bands. I think like six or seven don't exist anymore. They're in some pawn shop somewhere in Corvallis. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, they're they're in these these tin cans right here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, bands are fun. You know, amongst waterfowlers, it's uh, uh, I I love hearing stories about them and chasing them, and it's good times. To me, the cool part about bands and and coloring projects is uh, not only to find out where they came from, but if you, if you've gone off the deep end with it and you already know where they came from, uh, just seeing how old they are and. Yeah, just imagining what that bird has seen in its lifetime. Maybe you've even seen that bird already in your lifetime. And it's, you know, that to me is just where my mind wanders and thinks it's pretty cool. A very good friend of mine, um, he grew up in southern Idaho, just outside of Boise in the town of Eagle. And he actually worked for Ducks Unlimited for almost 15 years. But prior to his work, he did a banding project during his master's work. And long story short, I won't bore you with the, the details, but he shot a bird... That he banded, that's and he, he, you know, incredible. that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yep. And it wasn't like, hey, I put in the trap and I came back a day later. It was like I banded this bird in July or August and I shot it. You know, two years later, and yeah a neighboring town yeah, yeah. i've cool. i've been fortunate enough to shoot a couple that my buddy has has banded yeah. which has been pretty cool that's super cool and he's shot some that he's banded just in the same town that he helps the banding project but it's 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 always kind of cool to think of the history of the bird and that you know it's been held by your friend before or, or whatever i was like thinking about like all the water that that band seen, like all the different waterways yeah, yeah. that's I, another cool I, thing i just
1: ask for like a mega mecca widgeon banding project. Like, that, yes. that's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's somewhere right. where those birds travel down the Oregon coast at some point. Like, just, that's my, yeah. you know.
0: Stran, have I'm, you shot a banded widget? No, see, I've, I haven't shot one. I've never seen I, one. I have not. No. Nope. No, it's kind of unicornish. Like, I Oh, hundred 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, throw a couple on them in California. I have, I have a banded bufflehead. So that was pretty cool. Do you seriously? Seriously. Stainless band from Alaska, size 5. And Casey Stone, banded greenwing teal on Savi. I've that seen was, a, I've seen a cool. banded greenling and the blind next to me at, at Summer Lake, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And it wasn't a Summer Lake band, which makes it even cooler. Yeah. Um, the question uh, that I was actually going to ask uh, is actually from a friend of mine, Brandon Crane. Raptor Reggie on Instagram. Uh, calling techniques—we already covered that. Um, who gets a band when hunting in big groups? Okay, so, so what? What's each person's kind of take on this? You can give a little backstory, a couple scenarios. So I'll give you two things here. Nowadays, for me, um, if there's a kid, yep, in the kid shop. <laughs> boom first thing he goes the kid like and i don't want to hear any adults arguing about it That's yeah. <laughs> that's a surefire way to gerald you know, did a good job of that last he, year gerald did a phenomenal job yeah. that was really cool brought both yep. kids up had them draw Yep. if it's a group of buddies the guys that care you know you can say you're coming with five guys and three of the guys are like, oh i shot it okay okay let's go ahead and draw stood draw. and they can draw for it you know um if, if a couple guys do like hey guys I, I didn't even shoot or hey doesn't doesn't bother me they can, they can stay out, but yeah. I, I think I think drawing is probably the best way to do it. I've heard guys say, "Oh, band goes to the dog," you know, and it's like, well, yeah, I don't know about that, but um, uh, whatever is fair amongst the group, you know. I almost paid a hundred bucks for a honker band on Sparkle's
1: first day ever hunting.
0: That would have been pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: But that was one that the band. I will say, the band came up after the hunt. Oh. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, I took birds home, and there was a band yeah, on. That's it. that
0: shady stuff, man.
1: Right, and that's where I think that, like the the band side of it, gets into like, really, man, like just stay I, honorable. Like, everyone, just be a part of the experience and celebrate. Hey, we killed a band. Yep. Cool.
0: Who shot it? I don't know. Let's draw for it. Here's here's my take on it, and I, I'm speaking from experience. Um, when I was younger, I've seen friendships ruined, ruined over, over bands, you know, yeah, yeah. and last thing i want to do is have a memory of a band be a bad one right i want to celebrate it i want to be hey guys remember that day we shot that band and noah drew it out of the hat or whatever last thing i want to hear is oh yeah remember that day that shot that band and those guys don't talk to you know to each other anymore like yeah it needs to be a fun situation
1: yeah Yeah. and i think this kind of is in that whole brotherhood experience Mm -hmm. that we try to do i mean it's not I shot the band we shot the band. It's like, it's the team effort behind it all. And at the end of the day, when we shoot a bull, we all shot a bull. The horns might be at my house, but we can all celebrate it.
0: Well, too, like, I think we can all agree, like, just for, and we joke about it and stuff, too. But, like, us three in a group today, if we all three lit into a flock and one bird came out of it banded. I think Strand can agree. Like it's going to go to Cody. Yes, because he led into the group. He hasn't had the opportunity to draw one yet, or whatever. But that's just kind of thing. There's they're rare, but what? they're not that rare. Are you and calling all, me a kid? No, <laughs> I don't, no. Like it's because it you like, deserving of a band. <laughs> like it's all good. I have one of my best friends who's killed more and than I have, and just like. I hadn't had just I hadn't been in the right place at the right time yet. I got to choose first band this year, yeah. and it was just it's just like I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's just the playing field is always evened out. And yeah, I used to get the question all the time when I was guiding a lot more. You know, oh, do you snag the the, the bands off the yeah. client's legs I'm, or the bird's legs? I'm like. <laughs> no like that's the last thing i'd ever want to do with a band i don't know how many times i've had clients shoot bands and i'm so excited for them and they're just tickled pink i mean they're they're jacked yeah so yeah it's it's fun to see excitement in other people's eyes all right we'll end it off on a fun one favorite blind snacks uh here's what i'm gonna say if I, am i on a diet or <laughs> yeah am keto I, or non-keto yeah. Right i'm now, just gonna ask like they i'm just gonna act like they didn't even say that so you're gonna pick <laughs> <laughs> favorite not forced to okay a beverage and a snack maybe even a light meal favorite so the beverage it just depends like okay if, if i'm in the blind it's gonna be a thermos of coffee yeah like for me it's coffee for yeah sure. yeah i yeah, like I September like, hunt. i like caffeine when i get back the truck i'm hoping that there's 300 milligrams of bang energy ready to go because i'm gonna need it but no coffee for sure and uh gosh man I, there's a lot of mouth elaborate on your coffee all right let's get really into this oh yeah what what color roast i mean what color I so mean, what kind of creamer flavors it, first off the thermos was my my grandfather's. who's passed he's it's probably a 50 year old thermos yeah and that one means a lot to me because he literally goes on every hunt yeah. and then peppermucca creamer heavy on the creamer like peppermint mocha yeah oh yeah that's his jam love it love it but if not i like hazelnut yeah yeah but i like creamer so
1: so i mean if i'm home and i make my own thermos um i do it the night before generally because i Uh, And I put hot boiling water in it. Just a quick
0: sidebar: if you don't know, Cody, depending on where he's at—in his truck, at his house, at a hotel—so he he's got the perfect way to brew coffee in any situation at any time. Yeah,
1: Um, (laughs) I do it in a uh, Aeropress. Jesus, fresh ground (laughs) beans. Aeropress. I I actually really stoked on Stumptown coffee. Um, Just I don't know why, but it's pretty good. And, um, I'm on a, uh, with a heavy cream with uh, heavy whipping cream, heavy whipping cream. Gotcha. Yep. And uh, coconut oil and butter. Like a bullet.
0: So I, I still, yeah. but,
1: but actually if I'm non keto, then like honey and heavy whipping cream are mine. I still
0: have memories of archery Alexis And when you're. Coffee had cooled down, and your <laughs> your heavy cream coconut butter <laughs> mixture had curdled, and you were oh like God. drinking some sort of sauce. <laughs> sauce it looks, it looks uh, like, it like a, cottage you know, cheese. No, broth. no,
1: no, no, no. It tur- solidifies, and you know those like uh, honey stinger waffles. It's oh, kinda I'm kinda familiar. Kinda turns into Man, I saw that's it. okay that's my coffee jam i'll i'll stop now
0: i like no. <laughs> my coffee so thick you have to chew it <laughs> <laughs> the
1: cheapest <laughs> gas station oh garbage. i
0: like it burnt i mean i've been known to put folgers instant just in a cold water bottle and just make do but i know i do like warm coffee in the blind that's definitely and i'm like we've gotten soft so it used to just be like a little bit of half and half and then it turned into half and half with a little shot of vanilla now you know i got like four pumps of vanilla. when i'm doing it at home and i got the big like you know those blue label bottles i don't even know what they're called i'll go like four four hot pumps and then half and half and i just can't even look in the mirror okay snack time no you start off whatever the gas station has that we stop at yeah and like if i'm feeling pretty frugal i'll go with uh, like tornadoes that they have at a lot of the truck stops i don't even know how to if you don't have them i don't know how to describe them it's like some assortments of like different it's meats like, and cheeses inside like a like a soft brilliant. taquito almost <laughs> yeah <laughs> would you say deep fried yeah 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 i don't know i'm i'm kind of a sucker for the old costco muffin oh really I I just love see here's the thing like I don't like anything that like gets stuck in my teeth because I'm calling so I can hammer down a Costco muffin it tastes good it's got like a thousand calories yeah (laughs) so it's got got what you need and yeah I like it uh I mean I'm also a Pop-Tart guy so I like Pop-Tarts breakfast burrito yeah oh we're talking like
1: well I mean I'm talking like in my blind blind bag yeah no but but a lot of times like Or my first trip to Mavericks. No, going to the coast, I'd stop, get one, and like usually that lag time after setup before shooting light, it's still halfway kind of lukewarm, yeah, Yeah. almost cold, but you put enough taco season sauce on it, it's pretty delicious. Like breakfast burrito is good. If it's just a snack, salami and cheese, Hmm. I eat it nonstop
0: whatever it's i don't know it's pretty good. you're pretty p- proud of your salami and cheese today
1: yeah it's was... two big old colby jack slices with two big old
0: salami cody's been on keto since august yeah so during one particular week in september it was just me cody and strand hunting together and you know we'd sit down for for snack time and we and we'd trade like elementary school students and so me and strand are sitting on either side of cody passing back gummy worms and i don't even know what i had some you and i killed that box of donuts between the store and camp <laughs> <laughs> I thought Cody was going to cry <laughs> and Cody is tossing up chia seeds in the air and trying to catch them with his mouth just so he can have fun while he eats <laughs>
1: oh my gosh
0: oh. Oh, oh gosh yeah yeah that was back in your days of like I think today I'm going to mix it up I'll have, I'll have the cheese before the salami oh yeah <laughs> and today he got crazy he had the cheese and the salami at the same time just really confused his palate oh man uh, we're obviously getting a little uh, loopy here. We got wake up here in about uh uh 5 hours. That's way better pretty than good 3 as hours far as waterfowl season goes. 5 hours of sleep. But with that said, we are going to wrap it up and uh feel free to message anytime with things you guys would like us to talk about. We're going to start uh hopping on a lot more waterfowl. Um based podcast. I love it. No, I,
1: I I enjoy talking about it. I I think that there's a whole realm of opportunities that even like kind of opened our eyes to even on the elk side of things Mm -hmm. and calling turkeys, like doing a how to on a podcast. Um, I know we were reminiscing today about Dave Smith and his breakthrough Breakthrough CD. CD, And I think there's a really good opportunity with your skill level and knowledge base to help people learn calling. Um, do it on the elk side of life and bugling and cow calling and uh, so if that's something of interest, you know, send an email at info@bornraisedoutdoors.com and uh, tell us kind of what you want to hear. So
0: that too, and if you want to hear, us have a conversation with a certain individual, let us know and we'll do our best to to work that out. But with that said, we're going to wrap it up and. More or less, go to bed. And we, what do we have on the menu for tomorrow? What's what's day two of our five day freelance trip tomorrow? Snow geese, snow geese, a lot of them. Feast or famine. Fall snow geese in Oregon. We're going big dive bombs red, and we're going all in. It's supposed to blow too. Yeah. Now we'll see if the weatherman's correct. We're supposed to get ten to thirty out of the southwest. Wow. They call that a chinook. Call that a chinook. And the birds are coming out of the north. Birds from north. Low crawling i hope you like snow snow goose (laughs) yeah so needless to say we're pretty excited on the morning that's not something we generally get to do in our area uh, a whole lot so with that said we're gonna go to bed good night later